Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. The Silva to come up. He has our scripture reading for the morning. Brother Jacob, please. All right, so Isaiah 66, verse 1, and I'm reading from the NLT. This is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both the heaven and earth. They are everything in my, in them and, my, and are mine. Sorry, they and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it is though they have sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer the blood of a pig. When they burn frankincense, it is as, it is as if they are, had blessed an idol. Also, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, the, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Thank you, Jacob. Brother Bob Fouts. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay. Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you folks. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, the time that we've been here has come and gone. Uh, Pat and I have commented, I don't know how many times, uh, we've had an enjoyable three months, but the highlight of our time here has been here. We have really grown to know and love you people in the Lord. And we've heard so much about you from Don for years. You know, As you know, Don and I grew up in the same assembly. And, and um, they've been friends of ours forever. Uh, I'm sorry that John and Jan aren't here today. I'd like to have seen them one more time, but we know that Jan's been going through some difficult times and Don's speaking elsewhere. Uh, what I'd like to have you do is open your Bibles to Isaiah 61. Uh, due to no fault of the young man who read the uh, scripture, I, evidently I didn't write it very clear. The, pa the first passage was supposed to be Isaiah 61, Verses one through three. Uh, the second one was in Luke was the correct passage. So I want to take just a moment to uh, read the first uh, one here in Isaiah sixty one. I, I couldn't help but appreciate our young brother's enthusiasm this morning. You know, I used to kind of be that way too, but once you get to be eighty two, uh, all those things have come and gone. I've been speaking, uh, teaching God's words for 61 years now and enjoyed every bit of it. But uh, love that enthusiasm. I wish I still had 
that type of thing. But I still am enthusiastic about teaching the Word of God. Uh, you never tire of doing that. So keep on keeping on. Uh, it's an important thing for us to do. But let's just look together at uh, Isaiah 61. This is the first three verses here. These were the ones that should have been read prior to the one in Luke, which, which was correct, and we won't reread that one. But it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, this is the King James Version. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the provision or the prison of those who are bound. Now, of course, this was his first advent. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the second advent, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto those whom, who mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Now, uh, by way of introduction, you know, in the King James Version, particularly here in Isaiah uh, chapter 61, and of course this is the passage that he, he quoted in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, to those who were standing by. In essence, what he was pointing out is he was the fulfillment of that particular uh, prophecy. But in the King James Version, it renders uh, in verse 3 the phrase, a, gar a garland for ashes. Now, it says a beauty for ashes, of course, in the King James Version. But the word in the Hebrew is a garland for ashes. This is what the Lord has given us, a garland. Now, most of us are familiar with that term primarily because of Hawaii. You know, as our family, we went to all 50 states when our boys were growing up. Even drove the Elkan, believe it or not. Nine days just to get to Alaska from our place. But the final place that we had to go, yeah, was Hawaii. That's the 50th one. And as we flew in and landed, we get off the plane, and here's all these young girls coming over, and they're placing these garlands of flowers around my wife's neck. And, of course, she thought they were just beautiful. And they put them around my son's necks. And, of course, one was just graduated from high school. The other one was just moving into his junior year. And they thought it was cool. And to be honest, when they put it around me, I felt a little bit, eh, I don't know if a man should be wearing flowers, you know, around his neck. But the bottom line is, they were beautiful. You know, a garland is a beautiful thing. And what we have in the passages that we've read here today, we know the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has placed upon us the garland, beautiful garlands in the place of ashes, which should have been ours. And that's what I wanted to focus on just a little bit today. You know, in this passage, a garland instead of ashes is more of a joyous meaning and a significant meaning than the flowers that we talked about that were handed out in Hawaii, for it is contained in a quote, as I mentioned, by the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And what he's saying to these people at that time, I am the fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah wrote back in Isaiah 61. 
That's the passage he turned to. And he says, I am the one who has given you a garland for ashes. And we're going to look at five beautiful garlands that the Lord Jesus Christ has placed upon us instead of the ashes that should have been ours. And unfortunately, are still the ashes that are upon so many in the world today because they will not accept the truth about the person and the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said in chapter, uh, in, in the uh, New Testament passage in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He clearly states that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, it is a beautiful forepicture of the Lord Jesus Christ who came as a Savior to give a garland for ashes. And the ashes of this sin-cursed earth are a symbol of many things. Sorrow, sadness, grief, and the list goes on and on. All we have to do is look around us and we can see what tremendous sorrow is in this world today. Sadness. I can't believe it can get any sadder, but I'm sure it's going to. Grief, failure, despair. You know, as a child of God, none of those things should be the center of your life. That doesn't mean you won't have moments. I mean, we are human. Let's face it. We are still in the flesh. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ has taken all of these terrible things and turned them into a gar garlands. And a garland is a symbol of joy and gladness and blessing and peace and reward that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, came to replace the ashes of sin, sorrow, despair, with the garlands of salvation from sin, from blessing and hope. And what I like to do is just look at five different garlands that the Lord has placed upon us so we don't have to deal with the ashes. You know, we all know what ashes are like. We used to have fireplace, and we still do at home, burn it. And it's beautiful flame while it's going. But I'll tell you, when it was all done, it stunk. It was a mess. You had to clean it up. And I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than cleaning up ashes. It gets on you. It's hard to get rid of them. I mean, you can eventually get them all off. But, you know, we're talking about something more serious than ashes in a fireplace. It's the ashes that are left because of sin in our lives. You know, I'm so thankful this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ has placed the garments we're going to talk about, these garlands on me, so I don't have to deal with the ashes that I would have to deal with if I haven't been garlanded with those marvelous garlands. And, you know, I just want to kind of end our time together on a very encouraging note. And that's why I chose to do this particular lesson here today. So the first garland we're going to talk about is the garland of righteousness, which is justification, declared righteous for the ashes of guilt. The garland of righteousness for the ashes of guilt. You know, all of us were guilty of sin before God. And once you declare guilty, you know, guilt is a legal term. I used to teach law. And I used to have, once in a while, somebody would say, Bob, 
Uh, would you, they had to go to the court. Bob, would you go with me? Uh, you know, I'm afraid to kind of go on my own. They were going to have to stand before the judge. They had committed the, the crime, the wrong thing, and now it was time to go before the court. Yeah, I said, sure, I'll go along with you. I mean, I can't do much for you, but I'll be there for you. And, of course, you know, a couple of the times as they stood before the judge when their trial was being issued and the judge now was ready to give his verdict, well, two of the three times they said, well, this will um, put you on probation. And you get to see the big oh, sigh of relief. Well, the third time I went, the judge says, sorry, guilty. And they took him right off and brought him to jail. Sad. You know, we don't think too much about judgment, but I'm so thankful this morning, we don't have to think about judgment if we're in Christ. He bore our sins, guilt, and the judgment we deserve in his own body on Calvary's tree. You know, guilt brings condemnation. It brings judgment. Romans 6.23 makes it very clear. The wages of sin is death. And we all know from the physical perspective, yes, that's a reality. We have all lost loved ones through the valley of the shadow of death. But there's also spiritual death. You know, we read in Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sins... The soul that sins shall surely die. Remember when God created man, he breathed him to a breath in the living, and the man became a living soul. You see, my body will die, but my soul and my spirit will never die. And people don't realize that. You know, the old phrase we used to hear on TV, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die, big deal. It is a big deal. Yes, if the Lord be not come, many of us here will face physical death. Physical death doesn't concern me. I'm really not afraid of, of physical death. Spiritual death is something entirely different. You see, your body may die, but you and I, as living souls, will never die. You will be going on forever. And it's either going to be with the Lord or apart from the Lord. And it's so hard to impress upon people, you know, oh, I don't believe in, in, in eternity forever. I think once you die, that's it. Some believe in soul sleep. I used to know some people I worked with who believed in soul sleep. And they thought that was comforting. I thought, wait a minute. Soul sleep? Well, I guess if you died and things were right with you spiritually, well, you'd have a restful sleep. But if you don't, it's like having an eternal nightmare. I can't see any satisfaction in that. They think that's better than a hell. It would be hell. You see, we have to understand what a marvelous garland we have here. We have the garland of righteousness justification instead of the ashes of guilt. Oh, how I praise the Lord for this garland. You see, when Jesus became our sin bearer on the cross, our guilt was imputed to him. 
enabling his righteousness to be imputed to us. Yes, we are righteous this morning, but not in our own righteousness. Our righteousness is his righteousness has been imputed to us. You see, what a blessed thing it is to have this soul-saving standing of justification before God and to wear the garland of Christ imputed righteousness instead of the ashes of a soul condemning guilt. Have to move on. The second garland is the garland of a heavenly Father's forgiveness for the ashes of helpless remorse, torment, and regret. The garland of a heavenly Father's forgiveness for the ashes of helpless remorse, torment, and regret. Are you glad you're forgiven this morning? <laughs> oh, what a marvelous garland. Forgiven. Yes, guilty, but forgiven. I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of somebody who has never been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. What a marvelous garland. You talk about beautiful. It's one of my favorite. They're all favorites, but this is one of my favorite ones of all. You know, how wonderful to know that the one who declared me righteous in Christ, who was God my Father, also forgives us for Jesus' sake. You know, our salvation has nothing to do with us. It's all of God. God the Father sent God the Son to bear our guilt on Calvary's cross. He rose victorious. That means God the Father was satisfied with God the Son's sacrifice. He's now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now even as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have to confess there are times that I am guilty of sin. But you know, every time Satan may want to approach the throne of God and say, did you just see what Bob Fouts did? Well, my Lord and Savior is right there saying, Father, I took care of that. I've taken care of that. What a marvelous thing to know that this garland of a heavenly Father's forgiveness we have instead of the ashes of remorse, torment, and regret. But now in Christ we are brought near to God through Christ because we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Now, we always say, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. What a marvelous garland we have in the garland of a heavenly Father's forgiveness for the ashes of the helpless remorse and torment and regret that sin. Jesus made it very clear that he had the power and the authority to forgive sins. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 5 through 12, you may want to just make note of those and you should read them, he emphasizes the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed us from all sin. Every last one. There's not one sin that can enter heaven. Not one. And praise God, I have none. <laughs> now when I say I have none, I'm a sinner. But every last one has been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yes, the garland of a heavenly Father's forgiveness for the ashes of helpless remorse, torment, and regret. Well, we have to move on to number three. The garland of peace and joy instead of the ashes of sin, sadness, and unrest. The garland of joy and peace instead of the ashes of sin, sadness, and unrest. You know, the ashes of sin are filled with things like fear, anxiety, envy, strife, unrest, emptiness, and the list goes on and on. But in contrast, you see, Jesus offers us true joy and peace. In John 14, 27, and again in chapter 15, verse 11, he actually speaks of his own peace, of his joy indwelling and filling us. You know, this morning we expressed the reality of this particular garland. You know, as we gather at the Lord's table, everything we're, we're focusing on emphasizes the joy we have in who? The Lord. We, we're emphasizing this peace we have before a holy and righteous God. Now, how many here are deserving of that? I didn't think I'd see any hands. We understand. You see, this is a garland. This joy and peace we have is what the Lord has placed upon us that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what are the ashes? Well, there's sin, sadness, and unrest. You know, I've witnessed to an awful lot of people over these years, and one thing is always obvious, even as you're witnessing to so many of them, all they are constantly emphasizing in their own life is sadness and unrest. You know, I don't have any peace. I don't really have any real joy in life. Well, I'm happy about certain things, but there's so many things in life that really trouble me. You know, the world's filled with these negative things. But praise God, because of this mighty gar garland of joy and peace that we have, I'm glad I don't have the ashes of sin. Oh, yes, I'm still a sinner, but I'm a forgiven sinner. My sins have all been taken care of. I have no longer have to worry about sadness and unrest. I rest in the Lord. And as you get to be my age, I'll tell you, there's no better place to be resting. I think I've probably mentioned this before. I don't know how much longer the Lord's going to leave me down here. I've already outlived all of my friends. I guess Don is about one of the few I have left, and he's not here, but he's younger than I am by a few years. But of all the, the people that I've ministered with and you know, had in my life who were good friends, they're all gone. The Lord's taken them home. Now, I had some friends who have come and gone who are not with the Lord. It's not because I didn't witness to them and share it. They refused it. Ashes. They're experiencing more ashes than they ever imagined, and they will for all eternity. You see, what a marvelous thing we have when you think about the garland of joy and peace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. How we truly should be rejoicing in that. He gently garlands our hearts with a true sense of peace, 
with and from God, and that's God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. In 1 Peter 1.8, we are told that those who believe in him rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Well, we have to move on to number four. The garland of victory in holiness instead of the ashes of defeat and shame. The garland of victory in holiness instead of the ashes of defeat and shame. And you know, the ashes of defeat and shame are the result of a life centered around self and sin. You know any self-centered people? Well, be careful. If you look in the mirror, yeah, we still are that way. How often we get so focused on self. But you know, at the same token, you know, when you look at, you talk to people in the world who do not have Christ in their life. I mean, everything is about self. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, they're occupied with themselves. And you know, I think of my own self. To be totally occupied with me, I'll tell you, is, is scary. And if, you are, if you're honest, you take a look at your own self as well. What we are apart from Christ is scary. What we are with Christ changes it all. You know, I'm so thankful for this particular garland of victory and holiness instead of the ashes of defeat and shame. You know, true, it, it, we would talk about unbelievers being this way, but unfortunately, there are many believers who were in the same boat. You know, 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, how often Christians experience the pain of an unbridled tongue. And we're talking to Christians now. Evil thoughts. I'm 82. Do I still have evil thoughts? Oh, not like I did way back. But yeah, unfortunately, they crap in. Unforgiving spirit. Bitterness. I know Christians who are bitter. Shame on them. Unforgiving. Who are you to be unforgiving when the Lord has forgiven you? And yet we see it amongst the Lord's people. You know, the old sin nature that collapses before temptation. You see, as you think about this particular garland, in John 1 John 5, 5, who is he that overcomes the world, but he who believes relies on Jesus, the Son of God. We all love the passage in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's interesting, uh, as we move on, and we have to move on, I know the time's gone, but of course I'm leaving, so. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 should mention, I shouldn't mention, but I do you know, most places where I've spoken for 60 some years, you're allowed 40 minutes, and you're expected to fill 40 plus minutes. You, that's just the way it is. So everything I've ever made up is made, made up with that in mind. So to have a little less than that is really tough for me. So I ask your forgiveness, but I'm going to finish this up because it is important. But uh, the final garland I just want to mention is the garland of resurrection life and heaven for the ashes of death, eternal separation from God. The garland 
of resurrection life in heaven for the ashes of death, eternal separation from God. In, in Daniel 12, too, he writes, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. You know, as we grow older, our perspective on life changes. And somebody once says, change and decay and all around I see. I look at myself. You know, I once was a young, vibrant athlete. Could do, you know, I didn't quite have your energy. I wish I could. But I pretty close. Today, none of those things are there anymore. I can't do any of those things well at all anymore. You know, change and decay and all around I see. You see, old friends and old times are gone. I've already mentioned that. Time, people, and things come and go. Youth and maturity decline into old age and death. We have some young people in here. Enjoy it, young folks. If the Lord be not come, hate to say this, but you could turn out to be like this. You know, that's the way it goes. You see, to live only for this world leaves nothing but ashes in the end. In 1 John 2.15, that's why the Lord says, Love not the world. Romans 12.2, Be not conformed to this world. Yes, all of the above may take place. But 2 Corinthians 5.8 assures us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm looking forward to being with the Lord. Whether it will be by the rapture, that would be great. I'm looking for it every day. Or through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm getting closer to that. I understand. It doesn't make any difference. Either way, that quick. I will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Therefore, John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there ye may be also. When he said, let not your heart be in trouble, neither let I go to prepare a place for you. What is he talking about? He's talking about going to Calvary. He's not talking about building mansions. He doesn't have to build mansions. He spoke and the worlds were there. He can speak and mansions are there. He was going to prepare a place for us by going to Calvary. Isn't that a marvelous thing to know? What a marvelous garland we have. John 17, 24, Father, I desire, and this is his high priestly prayer. I love that prayer. And we know it refers primarily to the 12 at the time, but it also refers to every one of his believers. And this is what he says, Father, I desire that they whom that you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. If God the Son prayed that to God the Father for you and me, wow, what a blessed garland this is. And what's the alternative if you don't have Christ in your life? Ashes. Well, I definitely do have to bring this to a conclusion before you usher me out of the door. 
But, you know, how wonderful is our Lord Jesus Christ? Friend of sinners, Savior of souls. Yes, the wages of sin is death and ashes and judgment. But the gifts of God are the garlands of righteousness, forgiveness, new spiritual life, victory, holiness, immortality, heavenly glory through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Well, thank you for bearing with me. I trust these thoughts have encouraged your hearts. Let's just close the meeting in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for our Heavenly Father, the one who was willing to send his only begotten Son into this world. We're so thankful for God the Son, who is willing to become the God-man, the Son of Man, to bear our sins penalty and guilt in his own body on Calvary's tree. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit of God, who convicted us of sin and righteousness and judgment and led us to the Savior. We've been reminded this morning of just a few of the many garlands that you have placed upon us, all through the person and the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we rejoice in them. May our hearts be ready to live for thee and to serve thee. We just thank you for these times we've been able to be with these dear saints here in Florida for over these years or months. We ask your blessing upon them. We despise you part us with your blessing. Bring us to our various homes in safety, we pray, and help us to live for thee and serve thee as we ought. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.